0: Well, this is the Sunday every year that I confess most preachers don't look forward to because it's Trinity Sunday. And so in some way we're compelled to say some things about the Holy Trinity. And as my theology professor at Neshota House said many years ago, usually we end up throwing up our hands and saying, well, it's all a very great mystery. But the Trinity is absolutely at the heart of a robust Christian faith, and it is important to speak about it. This is the only Sunday that is dedicated to or commemorates a doctrine and not an event in the life of Christ or in the cycle of the Incarnation. And so I suspect that it was uh, thought important by the Church for, for a long, long time. So I'm going to try to say some things about the operation of the Trinity, uh, what the Bible says, if anything, about the doctrine of the Trinity, how you and I appropriate the doctrine of the Trinity uh, principally through the life of prayer and worship, and how in some ways we come to understand that if we see the Savior as the template that we lay over our own spiritual life and development, Uh, Whenever we speak about one person of the Trinity, we're speaking about all the others acting at the same time. So it's important to have some grasp of what this means. Uh, Some of you, if this sermon uh, continues on and becomes too boring, can look up in the Book of Common Prayer in the back historical documents of the Christian Church, and you will see in there the Athanasian Creed, And I would imagine after you begin to read the first four or five sentences, you'll express some gratitude that we don't read that in church anymore. (laughs) So that may not be the best explication of the Holy Trinity, but it at least gives you an idea that there was a time when this was thought to be absolutely important. Alan Jones, the the retired dean of Grace Cathedral, wrote a book a few years ago called Common Prayer on Common Ground, A Vision of Anglican Orthodoxy. And in that book, he said, the holy and undivided Trinity tells us that God is with us, God loves us, and God calls us without exception into communion. And if you get anything at all from this sermon this morning, the issue of how you and I are called into communion with God, and without sounding too self-centered, how we understand that in terms of our own spiritual journey, how we're called to communion with the disparate issues that operate in our emotional, spiritual, and mental states, that the Trinitarian idea is absolutely at the heart of our self understanding and why it is so important. It's about community. Trinity Sunday is also a time to reaffirm something that has become an emphasis in the Episcopal Church over the last few years, and for good reason, and that is hospitality. And how we understand the persons of the Trinity and community, and by extension, our connection. What does Paul say today in Romans? He said, We have received a spirit of adoption. What does that mean? It means what Jesus Christ is by nature, we become through adoption and grace. And so it has enormous Trinitarian implications. In the Bible, we don't get an explicitly worked out doctrine of the Trinity, the, The doctrine of the Trinity is something that developed over about three or four hundred years of Christian history. And you need to know something about Christianity, and that is, for the first three or four hundred years, Christian people were not certain exactly what they did believe, but they were certain about what they didn't believe. And so what they got to was the Orthodox faith. Through what is called in theology the Via Negativa. Right? Well you know you don't believe that. So by virtue of this we come now to some developed understanding of what it means when we speak of God as Trinity. Or we speak of the operation of the Holy Spirit. Or the nature of Jesus and his earthly ministry. And how we understand his humanity and divinity. And how we understand the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And how we understand God as Father, thought, thinking itself, primordial being, and how this is all now one. So, we'll say in a few minutes something about the persons of the Trinity. We heard from Isaiah today one of the formularies that give us an idea that there was a developing Trinitarian understanding, perhaps even in Judaism. And there's been some interesting books written over the last 15 or 20 years about this idea that there is embedded in the Hebrew Bible and in the Jewish tradition some idea, perhaps, of a budding Trinitarian understanding of the nature of God, although this would be heavily resisted by many in the Jewish community. And at the same time, we have something that informs our liturgical life as Christians weekly. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. We're going to sing that in a little while. And it is a direct import from the Jewish liturgy, from the synagogue liturgy. So we have this idea of the the, the threefold nature of God. In Matthew's Gospel, Go therefore into the world baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and know that I am with you always, even unto the end of the ages. So the idea of the Trinitarian formula is present there in Matthew's Gospel. But as time goes on, people began to think about some things. Here's the situation on the ground. Christianity began as a sect of Judaism. We're now moving along in a direction where there will be, by the time of John's gospel, a parting of the ways. And the story of the parting of the ways is very interesting. It's not the subject of this sermon but by this time, things had become unbuckled. And so we begin to understand now what the challenges and the opportunities are. And one of them is that the message of Jesus Christ has become compelling to Gentiles. And most of these Gentiles are people who have been deeply influenced by Hellenistic, the Hellenistic worldview, which is the fancy term for the Greek worldview. Remember, Alexander the Great came down into the ancient Near East, all over where Jesus was born and grew up, and not only conquered the area a thousand years before, but he imposed Greek culture and philosophy on the region. He required people to learn this. It's now accepted as a matter of course, it wasn't when I was in seminary, but as the result of a lot of it, that Jesus spoke Greek, as well as Aramaic. And that meant we're talking about a person who was conversant, and certainly the people that he spoke with, with these Hellenistic ideas. So if we speak of God as a Jew, operating in this sort of primordial fashion, All of a sudden, we have to explain this to people who want to think about God uh, operating in a variety of ways. And so we need to talk about the persons of the Trinity. And St. Augustine and other people are going to begin to write about this. Well, you and I um, believe in person meaning. This is philosophy that may confuse, but it'll just have to suck it up. (laughs) A person now is a self-actualized existent. And in the ancient Near East and in the Greek world, that's now not how they thought about person. They thought about person as somebody who was like an actor in the Greek theater. Have you ever seen those masks that they put on? They go like this and they put another mask on. That's a person. So one does this, right? Reflects different Aspects of person in their unity. And so when we speak about that, or the Greeks did, that's what they meant when they talked about the persons of the Trinity. But something else they began to become concerned with. Are we going to focus on the internal life of God, the Godhead, as a community within itself, And so we have for a while, and it always has continued through Christianity, the whole idea that we have a sovereign God who is busy with with his own internal life and who is absolutely in control of the whole of the cosmos. And by the time of the Protestant Reformation, the sovereignty of God will be the central issue for people that were part of the Continental Reformation because they believed it was necessary to uh, understand the power and the truth of the sovereignty of God. They didn't mean the sovereignty of God who was a loving, nurturing, caring God. That was not the first part of that. A sovereign God means sovereign, jump. And we say, how high So at the beginning of the sermon, I spoke about the importance of community. And what Alan Jones, in the book that I read a quotation to you from, would say, we now these days need to focus on the importance of belonging and not believing. So I'm going through all this with you, but also to say as well, if you find the Trinity problematic, don't worry It's important, but belonging is what's at the heart of the matter. And my experience over the years as a pastor is that as people belong and begin to understand the power and the importance of community and hospitality, the more orthodox understanding comes along. Most people don't uh, become even more skeptical they become in some way more aware of the deep things of Christian faith and belief. And that's what's important in this case. An important Anglican theologian has said, the doctrine of the Trinity is not a peculiar theory invented by unpractical theologians. It is an attempt to put into words a truth that God revealed in facts of history The apostles were Jews who had been brought up to believe in God, the creator of the world, and the Holy One of Israel. Then they met Jesus, and as they lived with him, they came to realize that he was no mere man. He was divine, yet he was not himself the Father, for he used to pray to the Father. Then he started telling them of someone else who he called the Spirit of Truth and the Comforter who would come and take his place when he had gone. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did come with the fullness of divine power. So it was the pressure of their own experience that forced the apostles to believe in the Trinity. Now, what I believe that happened also in the pastoral experience of the Church Was that through our personal prayer and through our corporate and public prayer and worship, we come to have an understanding of ourselves that is Trinitarian. If we look at God and say, God can remember, God can think, God can love we discover that internally we have emotional, spiritual, and mental states all embodied in a body, a unified body. And on a daily basis, those three issues are always with us. Have you ever stopped to think about how much of your life is governed by invisible things, by your thoughts, by your memories, by your feelings, and how oftentimes we are governed by them not always for the good. And so perhaps the task as we seek to understand the work of the Trinity in our own lives is to see that the community relationship we believe exists within God as Trinity can and from time to time does exist within each of us. That we can begin to bring those aspects of our character into some health and wholeness Now, the relationship between those things as a community is called in Greek koinonia. And you've heard that word before because it's also used to mean fellowship. So in our lived experience, we understand this in some way in terms of the fellowship of our community. That those uh, three things that are sometimes at war with us, our memory Our reason and our will can now come into sure and clearer harmony. That remembering, knowing and loving are part of God's character and can be ours. What Jesus Christ was by nature we become through adoption and grace at our baptism. So it is the ways and the means that we understand how we share in the divine life. And we get some clarity about what it is what we're supposed to be doing in the world. So this week, think about the Trinitarian aspect of yourself. See that uh, it has transformative power, that in some way it is possible for us, with the grace of God, to bring those things into conform. I've talked to you before about the committee that lives rent-free in your head. All of you have experienced that, right? Right? Paul would say, sometimes I feel like internally my, my body is at war with its members. Have you ever felt that way? I think the reason why the doctrine of the Trinity was found so consoling was is that they began to see, you know, this God relationship internally is something that I can experience, something that I know And it's possible for me to understand that uh, as I live my life. So this week, give thanks for the doctrine of the Trinity. Give thanks, maybe, that it only comes up once a year. (laughs) But remember that it's very important to our common community life. Amen. Amen.